Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 381. I've been up a really long time, uh, which is how I'm able to achieve maximum baseness in my voice. I uh, was up in Northern California for Course of the Force. We ran a lightsaber across the Golden Cape Bridge uh, and had the Job of the Hut Pleasure Barge, which um, created a little bit of traffic. Sorry, but it was worth it. It's for Make-A-Wish. Uh, you can see footage of this. Uh, the cosplay has been absolutely incredible. It's at uh, YouTube.com slash Nerdist. Click subscribe while you're there. Or you can also go to StarWars.com slash Course of the Force and see uh, all the pics that we've been taking. Uh, we're almost to San Diego for Comic-Con International, so just a handful more days. If you go and uh, you see on the map that we're going to be in a town that you live in, come by, say hi, come to one of the carnivals afterwards, and uh, high-five us all and hug some people for uh, running a lightsaber for charity. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been involved so far. I would also like to point out that uh, I will be performing at Just for Laughs in Montreal. Uh, I'm doing a show... A Talk of the Fest show we're taping for Canadian television on July 23rd at Club Soda. There's two shows, so come to one of them. Um, Montreal Just for Laughs Festival is the website's hahaha.com. That's it, just hahaha.com. And then you can uh, search for the show. I don't know if we're allowed to announce everything that we're doing there, but let's just say that I'll be there, and Jonah will be there, and Matt will probably be there, if that uh, tells you anything. Um, so, hahaha.com and search search for the shows. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Audible.com. Uh, go to audible.com slash Nerdist. Get your free audiobook download. They have over 100,000 titles to choose from. You're going to find something. You've probably already listened to an Audible book and you even know it. Um, so, if you, listen to, if you listen to a book that someone is reading and you're listening to it with your ears, it probably came from Audible. I would like to recommend uh, Neil Gaiman's new book, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, a novel. I'm so sorry. I tried to make sure it was off. Well, you really made sure. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, turn it off. It won't hit mute. So I don't even know what's playing right now. There it is. Okay. What was that? I don't know. All the windows opened at once. <laughs> Did you get a window storm? Yeah, a little bit. I'm sorry. <sighs> won't open tabs. She just opens individual windows for everything. There's like I've a got, million of them in her desktop. And so like I've got tabs in all of those windows. Are you serious? Yeah. So the most irritating thing is that some ad'll start playing and then it's like a fucking Easter egg hunt trying to find which window it's in I'm somewhere. I'm a window hoarder, I'm sorry. Stop window hoarding. I'm sorry. Stop window hoarding. I'm sorry. That's alright. Skydart's put up a long time too. <laughs>
Do you have bassy voice? I have bassy voice. That's pretty bassy. <laughs> I have busey voice. <laughs> you have busey voice. No, I don't. I can't do a busey impression. Can uh, you? Um, how much coke do you have? <laughs> the Ocean at the End of the Lane, a novel read by Neil Gaiman, which, by the way, you could listen to Neil Gaiman read the ingredients on a taco shell box and you would be completely enamored. So that's at audible.com slash Nerdist. Sign up and get your free audiobook. Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of Nerdist Podcast. This episode, which is Tig Notaro, um, and so if you listen to this podcast, you probably are aware of certain comedy circles and you probably know what Tig went through last year, um, but it was basically just uh, a confluence of awfulness. And she managed to come out the other side of it and hadn't really had a chance to sit down and talk with her about it until this podcast. And it's, I would say, if this makes any sense, this podcast is heavier than normal, but also lighter in a weird way. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just, she speaks with such a, a frankness and an openness, and um, it's comforting. And she's one of the bravest people I know and, and inspiring and hilarious in spite of everything that happened. I, I can easily say that this is one of my favorite episodes out of the almost 400 episodes we've done. Um, it was, it felt really special. And, uh, so here it is. It's the Nerdist Podcast number 381, uh, with Tig Notaro, who, by the way, has, uh, a couple comedy specials that you should get at tignation.com. Um, one of them's called Good One, and the other one is called Tig Notaro Live. It looks like live, but it's actually live. And, um, you'll hear the whole story if you haven't, uh, heard about the special. Uh, but essentially she goes on stage right after she found out that she had cancer and the show was recorded and it was her doing this set about all these horrible things that happened to her last year and it was captured um, one night at Largo and uh, well I'm, I'm telling the story that she's going to tell so I'm going to shut up <laughs> so here it is, uh, enjoy Now entering Nerdist.com You want to put headphones on? Yes, I do. Did I seem like I didn't? Yeah, it seemed like you were just anti-headphone for a second. Is this the right, left, right, left? Uh, red is right. Right is red? Mm-hmm. Red is right. That's, Both are correct. That's correct, comrades. <laughs> red is right. Do you want to put headphones on, Tig? Jesus. <laughs> How about put those fucking headphones that's on? That's more like no. it. Um, I'm glad to finally have you on the podcast. We almost had you on our live show in September, October in New York. And then I just sort of felt with everything that had gone on that maybe the live show ver- was not the best place to... What went on? Mm. No. Dude. We lost that recording anyway. It was so. rainy. Yeah. We got it back. Well, It was windy. It was windy. It just wasn't right. It was a little bit windy that yeah. day. The, the weather led us. <laughs> kind of cloudy. Yeah, Mother Earth led us. We're a weather-based podcast. We'll look at the <laughs> we'll, we'll look at weather.com uh-huh. and I'll be like, oh, it's not, yeah. it's going to be a little overcast. Look at the barometer, Chris. We can't have TIG on. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> for Christ's sake. The barometric pressure is way too much to sustain a podcast right now. There's just no room for it. <laughs> We need chance of precipitation below thirty percent, and then we can actually have a podcast. Uh, but it's nice to it's nice to finally have you on. Are we on? This is it. 
We're always we got on. started. Yeah. We're always on. Yeah. Oh, I was, I, was, I was waiting for it to get started. <laughs> oh, okay. That happens a lot. <laughs> when does the Nerdist song start? Hey. Is that the sitcom version of it? Yep. That's the Bobby McFerrin version of it. How is Bobby? I haven't talked to him in ever. Oh, my God. It's been a while. He's been hanging out with Michael Winslow. I know that much. Oh my god, that'd be a terrible situation. Let's, that'd be the fucking best situation. You know what? We could recreate the Don't Worry Be Happy video. We could get Robin and Bill Irwin and just shoot it again. Yeah. But won't he isn't uh, won't Bobby Fair not perform that song ever again? He probably won't perform it ever again. I checked out his That's new like album. His rule. There's no there's like he's just singing. Right. There's no like, you know, boops and What would make somebody check out Bobby McFerrin's new album? <laughs> I mean, I don't just, worry, be happy. <laughs> I know, but it's like just waiting for that follow up. And like, no, how many has no, he put out? Well, no, it's because like, you know I, I have like a music subscription service where I can stream new releases mm-hmm. and some of that. So I was looking through the new releases. And I was like, Bobby McFerrin, I'm I'm in for some soothing music. And, and what's a little taste of something you heard? Uh, a lot of strings, a lot of uh, a lot of just kind of crooning. Uh-huh. Um, strings and crooning. crooning. Yeah. Everyone was happy in the '80s, though. I feel now it would just be like. Sort of worry. That's oh, because Coke was so be content. But he wasn't. He was all. He wasn't about Coke. I think man. people are more than sort of worried. I think yeah. people are panicked. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a real bad situation going on right now as we speak. There's a lot of in, pants shitting in Egypt going on. Yes. Well, yes. there's sure. been a lot of horrible things going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We're just more aware of yeah. them now yeah. than we've ever been before. Instantly That's, aware. It yeah. was much easier to, you know, essentially, you know, imagine. That you're on a farm in, in the uh, middle of the United mm-hmm. States somewhere. <laughs> I like it. Take it there. Okay. What, what would you put on your farm? Would it be some chickens or a cow or two? It doesn't matter. The point is... One chicken. One chicken. I would a buy massive a huge farm, farm. Just put one put chicken. one chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's called One Chicken Farms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At the entrance of the gate there. Yeah. It was twin chicken farms until Marty <laughs> until hit Marty one with the glory. Yeah, with yeah, the glory. Exactly. Uh, Uno, one chicken ranch. Uno pollo one farms. One chicken ranch. <laughs> Uno Pollo Ranchero. A lot of creepy guys are showing up for to some reason. To my one chicken yeah, ranch. but it is just literally a one chicken ranch. Yes, please. Yeah. Out of here, buddy. No. Is, it, is it located anywhere near a two-horse town? Um, I, I don't want to say on the podcast. I don't want people to yeah, show right. up. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to, So you live on this one chicken ranch. Sure. And well, actually, that sounds like the most expensive whorehouse in the Beverly Hills of Las Vegas. Oh, we live at one chicken ranch. <laughs> Why does that sound expensive? You it's one it's chicken. Like, like one Rodeo Drive. You know, like oh, one oh, Rodeo oh, Drive. Okay, we sure. live at one chicken ranch. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, uh, but just having the ability to be isolated from the, not kind of really not knowing what's going on in the world. And, you know, occasionally you'll get a newspaper or the Sears catalog will show up. But in general, you live a very isolated existence and you know, paint, blissfully unaware of how horrible things actually can be in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, did uh, I mean I, I know you talked a lot about it before? But did the go- chicken? The chicken. Yeah. Did <laughs> did going through the chicken uh, <laughs> change any of your perspective on any of that stuff? Is it for eggs or, or meat? Uh, did I have the chicken? Yeah. Uh, just, just, uh, just for company. Oh, you can't, you can't really do anything nice. that chicken. Really yeah. nice. You don't want to be a no chicken ranch. <laughs> then it's just a ranch. Which came first, the chicken or the company? Well, yeah. wait a minute. That's is stupid. If you had a, if you had a house chicken, <laughs> sure. 
is do you do you count the house chicken as the ranch chicken or is there a separate ranch chicken but then you have a companion house chicken? No, it's Chris, it's one chicken ranch. <laughs> you can search all you want. There's not a second chicken. <laughs> I'm going to tear this place apart. <laughs> delight. They're under a floorboard Chris somewhere. Chris Hardwick uh. is back. <laughs> what are all these chickens doing under the floorboards? Yeah. I'm sorry. I should justify What's with all these feathers in your car, Chris? <laughs> For tax reasons, I can only have one chicken to the government. You just walk in. You feel one floorboard creak. You like pull it up. <laughs> and there's, just, like, <laughs> there's just little heads. Oh, nothing. Yeah. Your floors beginning. are very balky. You're basically in the beginning of Inglorious Bastards. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm a yeah. I'm a German. I'm a strange German mm-hmm. who's just if not normal. Just well, I'm just telling a story about a chicken that's I oh this is interesting. What's under the floor? And then Is that a German? Yeah, I was going to say. That's a Christoph Waltz German English mashup accent. All right. Mashup. Yep. That's that's what that is. Um thanks for being on take. absolutely. Um I want some time alone right now. Oh yeah, oh, like the Should chicken. We get the chicken or? Yes, <laughs> I'm so used to just being around one chicken. This very uncomfortable. Do you know who we've just described? Gonzo from the Muppets. <laughs> Gonzo lives on one chicken ranch. No. He has. Tig, a, he Tig loves, lives he on one chicken ranch. Yes, Chris, you will not accept what is happening. I live. Uh, you try and make it. This looks familiar. <laughs> Vaguely. That's a better German accent, actually. <laughs> oh. You have your accents messed up. So I guess it appears that you might have some Jews hiding under the floor. Gonzo! <laughs> Out of here! That's Gonzo trying to deny his SS past, uh, which he's managed to keep secret all these years. That's why he just befriends chickens. He was so horribly scarred by his war crimes that he had, he can only, it's kind of like how in MASH, in that episode of MASH. A terrible name for a boat, so, the where, SS Pass. <laughs> <laughs> where Hawkeye keeps thinking a woman killed a chicken, but it was actually a chi- a baby that she smothered, but in his brain, his brain broke, and then he thought it was a Is that a real chicken. episode? That was the last episode, yeah. He's oh. in a psych ward. Spoiler alert. He's in a psych ward, <laughs> and um, yeah, no, d- d- don't tell me, don't tell me. He keeps having this recurring memory of how a woman kills a chicken on a bus, but then when he starts digging deeper, he rem- the, this doctor gets him to remember that he's <laughs> he screams at this woman to shut up her baby, and not knowing what to do, she smothers the child. And he oh my God. Um, was this a sitcom? <laughs> it was until the last episode, <laughs> and then uh, and then he relives the fact that this was this was a horrible thing that he witnessed. And what is this? A hundred and five oh million this a, people. This is a comedy that. sitcom. Oh yep. God! A, I needed a, a laugh situa- track with that. That was more of a. That was more of a. It was just more of a sit. The last <laughs> one was just more of a sit. When I was little, um, I well, you're not huge. I know. When I say that around Sarah Silverman, <laughs> she's always like. Uh, when I say when I was little, uh, yeah, who cares? She, I guess I'm saying she's made that joke. So okay, good. We're about the same size. Yeah, you? yeah. We're, we're we're we have this roughly the same roughly build? the same build. Yeah. <laughs> Is that offensive? Not at all. As a matter of fact, I feel like we constantly admire, admire each other's clothing. We do. I'm yeah. like, that's a fucking cool shirt you're wearing. I would love to. Yeah, wear that I always shirt. like your outfits and, and your build. <laughs> <laughs> um, what am I saying? When you were little. When I was little. Sitcoms. Oh, I thought the word sitcom meant 
sit calmly and watch this. <laughs> that's, that's, I, that's British sitcom. <laughs> I, but I think it was because I was so just full of energy, believe it or not, as a child, and I couldn't sit still. And so when I had to sit down and watch something, it felt like... You know, it was a, it was a sitcom. Yeah, just sit calmly, Tig, please, for one half hour. Yes, for. 20. There, are, I feel like a lot of comedies on television now are sitcoms. Just <laughs> sit calmly. Yeah, get through this. Just, just get, just let it distract you for twenty two minutes. See, like, I, I I love like um, good times, and um, we all love good times. Yeah, we all do love good times. <laughs> um, you mean dynamite good times, Jimmy oh, Walker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did you just make a mustache? Uh, That's what he did. He'd go because he had a, well, just a hint know, of a mustache. Yep. Um, I, I don't need to go into all the sitcoms that I enjoyed, but I did enjoy a few in the seventies, and then I never sat calm again. Yeah. <laughs> Is that? It's like after a show's already canceled, it was a satcom. Yes. Yeah. Sat calmly. Sat calmed. You were sat calmed. Yeah. We can explore tenses on both of the words. In would this, love to in this fun grammar play that, sure. that we're all having. But you, I thought you would stop. Were you, did you take a break from stand up for a while? Well, I had cancer. Well, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean I, I just mean, pushed through. You know, like yeah. Louis was working mic. on Conan, that was hard. He still got up and did sets. You just um, gotta want it. Let's see. Yeah, I took a break. Um, <laughs> well, I had cancer. <laughs> well, yeah, I I had I had a few things go terribly amiss. I know you had cancer. I was uh, I was really sad and worried about you, and I remember texting you when I found out that you were going to be okay, and just being like, and I was genuinely, you know, even though we never hang out that much, ever, ever, we don't. Yeah, we we see each other at shows, but you're still one of those people that I always feel like. I, I don't know. I just I feel like I have a a fun connection to you, and I I genuinely care about what happens to you. And I was I was really upset and worried for you. So I'm oh, I'm glad you. that it I'm glad that it all I'm glad that you're okay, and I'm sorry that it that it happened. And is there how do you feel now coming out? You know, it's been about a year now. Um, it will be a year on July 25th that I was diagnosed. Um, but like March is when I, I've already hit some one-year marks of, like... Because it started with... I had gotten pneumonia, and then I took antibiotics, and I don't know if you know all this, but I had contracted this deadly thing called C. diff, and I was hospitalized for that and had lost 20 pounds. And then when I got out of the hospital, I... um my mother tripped and hit her head and died. Oh, Jesus and Christ. then my uh, girlfriend and I broke up a few weeks after that. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so that was in a four-month period of time. And so... And at that point, you had to laugh, right? Honestly, that's when I, it, I did. I, nothing was, was funny. Was it right when the car drove by and splashed you when you were on the yeah. sidewalk? Right. There are days and I shook and my fists. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, those year anniversaries have happened, um, you know, losing my mother and, and being hospitalized for the other illnesses and stuff. But now my year anniversary is coming up for cancer and, um, what are you guys going to do to celebrate? I'm not sure. I, uh, take the chicken out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you guys, I'm assuming you mean me and the old. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, around the ranch, probably. That's Uh all I really ever likes to do. 
It's adorable. <laughs> it was so there for me, though, through the cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm, I'm going to head out. Huh? Well, I've always said... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I just want to go back to um, things that we like. You know that I was I was crazy about hard and firm. Really? Have I not told you that enough well, in your existence? I don't know. You yeah. don't remember me ever saying I, this? I do remember you saying that. It was yeah. just like uh, the greatest thing. It was fun. I had ever seen i enjoyed it so much it was fun we still try to squeak stuff out every once in a while mm-hmm. but it's but we just don't our, our schedules are yeah kind of crazy yeah anyway i just had to go back to that well it's sort of you know the uh you work with people like you'll you'll make stuff with people and then at a certain point you might have to sort of go separate ways not for any bad reason and then and then all of a sudden you look back and you go that was a long time ago like haven't you must have had that with as long as you've been in comedy and just different people that you've worked with and different people that pop up in your life and then you sort of you you sort of move on without even realizing like oh that phase is now over because yeah. it's just not happening anymore. Yeah. Well yeah, I mean as far as hard and firm I would always see all at, at um festivals and shows and whatever and yeah. and um and for me that was that was always a highlight. Well, I appreciate that. So you 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 kind of it was basically just a um, a nesting doll of tragedy mm-hmm. for, That's correct. for four straight months. Yes, and then uh, and you said, I mean, you have this you have this legendary set from Largo where you just sort of showed up and was like, "Hey, this happened." Hey, today. everything's horrible. And someone happened to be recording it, and then uh, well, I knew they were recording it because I had done. Um, uh, an episode of This American Life, mm-hmm. and it was uh, this this story I've told many times about running into Taylor Dane, and it did <laughs> it did uh, it did well on the show, and 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 um, Ira Glass called me a few days later, going, "Your you know story has done really well. We want you back on immediately." And I was like, Ira, <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like telling a funny story. Um, my life is falling apart and, um, I feel like talking about that. And so he was like, okay, great. Let's talk about that. And so I wrote up about 10 pages and then I sent it to him and we met in person and I walked in and he's looking at all these pages and he just, he was like, this is so depressing. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's (laughs) That's my life. Remember before I was telling you. Yeah. But he was saying, I don't want you just to come in to the studio and tell me this story he said, I feel like your strength is, is your performance. And so if any of this ever becomes funny to you, I think you should try and do it on stage. And I was just, I left his office just like giving him the bird. Yeah. I was like, find this funny. My mother just died. I'm going through a breakup. I, I'm 20 pounds less than I normally am. Like I just, I was, there, there was nothing funny to me. And then I was diagnosed with cancer and I, 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 everything became hilarious to me. And, um, and so I went on stage and I asked Largo to record it cause I was going to see if I could get a rough cut of something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it went better than I thought it was going to go. And so I emailed Ira and said, Hey, I think I might have something that you could air. Had you done any, had you 
tried any of this no. stuff? So it, that like that was the one that was the one, and that's time. probably why it felt so extra special too. Is that it really was like this is a one time thing that just got captured and that's yeah. It. I had been diagnosed on uh, a Wednesday, and my show at Largo was supposed to be that weekend. And I called Flanagan, the owner, and I said, "Look, I just found out I have cancer. I'm just not in the mood to perform." And he said, "So Sunday then." We'll get you up Monday then. All right. Yeah. Um, what was called? That, that I was gonna call back to the German accent, but um, <laughs> so he said, "Why don't I move the show to the following week? Just in some crazy, you know, some chance that you want to perform." So he really did say, "Then Sunday, then." Well, well, he said the following week, and he yeah. said, "But if up to the last minute you say no, we'll just take it off the books." Okay. He said, "No problem, but maybe you'll want to perform," and I was like, "There is no way." I was, I was so upset and uh and then the next week comes and the day before my performance i had put off going to find out my the stage of cancer prognosis all that kind of stuff because i was a little emotionally backed up sure <laughs> i was just, my friends were like go to the you know because all i got was a phone call that i had cancer essentially and then i had to make an appointment to get the details and so, a um, terrible week of waiting, like to find the details. Well, it was, but I was again. So, this was four months <sighs> of like nonstop hell, and I just i I was so dreading hearing there is no hope and you are dying. Like I just I couldn't bring myself to find out what was going on because they had found cancer. It, uh, on in both breasts, and so I it didn't sound great. Um, <laughs> Never does. Yeah, but I thought it was just one side, and then yeah. they're like, "Oh, there's tumors here," and and so I was just I was like, I, I can't I can't process this, and then um, and so I went in the day before the show that I did at Largo, and the doctor was like, uh, "Well, it's stage two. The tumor on the left is invasive, which means the cancer is not contained, and we will not know until surgery if this has spread or not. And I was just like, no, no. Uh, I, I just, this can't be my life. Like, I, I just, I was devastated, and I was crying. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a crybaby guy. <laughs> I don't and think anyone I, would be like, hey, take, walk it off. Yeah. Like, no one's going to be. No, I know, but I'm just saying in my regular life, I'm just not hyper. Only two people have ever seen her cry, the doctor and the chicken. Chicken. yeah. <laughs> Chicken's not a person, it buddy. But I was openly weeping on the sidewalk in my friend's arms, you know? Like, I was devastated. And so the next day, I was on stage at Largo because... I didn't know if my cancer had spread. I didn't know if I was living or dying. And I love doing stand-up. And I did feel like I had witnessed my life falling apart so quickly that I I just, I, I was in such shock that everything was going away. And uh, so quickly that I had no reason to think that things were going to be okay. And so... I was scared that was going to be my last time to perform, you know? Oh, shit. And I loved 
stand up so much. So I was just like, I have to perform one more time, you know? And I was like, what if it is a good enough set that it could be on This American Life again? You know, I was like, I, I, I don't want to miss that opportunity either. <laughs> the I was performer just like, side, like, yeah, I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of agents in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was trying to make it. Um, I was hoping to get discovered. Um, was but part, it was, was part of you like, what if it doesn't go well? And then you're like, oh, I didn't think it was going to go well. There was no part of me that thought it was going to go well. I thought this was going to be the single most uncomfortably horrible show in the world. And so when I was getting laughs, um, and I really, I didn't know how to go into the set to get into that material because it was so dark and weird. And, um, and uh, about an hour and a half before the show, I was taking a shower and, um, and I was just like, how am I going to get into all this? Like, and then I, I thought, chronologically i would i would just i would keep it very linear and then i was like no and it was that moment of true editing you have get to the point what is the point well the most pressing point is i have cancer and so in the shower i just pictured myself walking out on stage and being like hi i have cancer (laughs) and it was making me laugh so hard in the shower, and then I was like, I can't, I can't open a show <laughs> waving at the audience saying, hi, I have cancer, how's everyone doing tonight? And then I just kept, I like, as I was driving to the show, I just kept replaying that and laughing so hard. And then, uh, and I was so nervous backstage because nobody, Bill Burr, Louis, Mary Lynn, and Ed Helms were all on the show, and nobody knew I was about to go out and do that. And I was just like, I didn't want to hear any advice or don't do that or you know and so i, I was like ah! and i when i hear that recording i can hear my voice is shaking you know i was so scared to to do that but it just it i mean there were certainly awkward uncomfortable moments but it went so beyond what i could have ever I imagined. remember seeing louis tweet about it just mm-hmm. basically just said like i just saw the most amazing mm-hmm. set i've ever seen in my life yeah, and bill too and and is it um did it did it sort of change how you view comedy in the sense of you know oh you know you I mean you know you're yourself uh, you're a version of yourself on stage you're talking about things that obviously you think are silly or funny and so they are related to you but just the idea of being in a situation where you had to go on stage as essentially vulnerable and open and honest as possible and sort of realizing like oh maybe this is actually where comedy comes from. Well, it's certainly comedy comes from that, but not only. Sure. And obviously, (laughs) like you guys are like, really? (laughs) Um, But in that moment, that was what was the funniest, silliest thing to me was that I had cancer, you know? And it was the most pressing for me to talk about. I, I couldn't go on stage and do and talk about a run-in with Taylor Dane or anything like that. And so um, that's not my typical style. I, I like silliness. I love silliness, actually. And um, it was just that moment and people kept asking me i i didn't do stand up after i did that show for uh, m- i don't know until a few months ago i i didn't do stand up for i don't know 6 to n- 9 months i i really don't know i haven't done the math but 
uh, everyone kept saying is, has it changed you as a comedian? And I kept saying, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I, I haven't performed since then. I don't know. And then when I started performing again, it was just silliness. You know, it was, it was, it, I'm, I'm not some hard hitting comedian that's telling anything like it is, you know? <laughs> and, um, but I, I realized that that's, that is who I am as a stand-up is who I always was, you know, yeah. it was just that moment in time. And I'm, I also think about just evolving as a comedian. One of the things that has been helpful for me has been to take my own advice, which has been, if I think something is funny, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a one line joke, a 20 minute story about Taylor Dane, um, a physical bit, crowd work, or telling the audience that I have cancer. You know, whenever I picture a comedian saying, this isn't my normal style, should I do it? There, no part of me would be like, if it's not your normal style, yeah. I, I, would, I would stick to, you know, th that's not your thing, you know? Right. And so I feel like ultimately allowing myself to do those other type of things has made me grow as a comedian but it's not the one thing i always return to you know? were you worried when you went back on stage that people were going to be like oh that's the woman who had cancer or like were you worried that they were going to be really ginger around you like gingerly around you and, and gentle because they you know like when people get very like oh is it okay is it all right to lie is it yeah all right? yeah I, <laughs> yeah it's funny i mean even when people would come over when i had <laughs> when i had cancer before my surgery and they just come over to you know visit with me if i got if i was hey can i get you some water they'd be like i'll get it <laughs> and I, guys <laughs> i can still walk you know um but you know i've only done three real gigs since I've had cancer, uh, meaning like road gigs. I did Bloomington, Durham, and um, Iowa City mm -hmm. and uh, the major hot spots. <laughs> Actually, and, Bloomington, the comedy attic no, is I, fucking it, great. Yeah, I did. There's a, a, there's a theater there. Did you did the theater? Uh-huh, yeah. And, but th my label is there. I'm with Secretly Canadian. That's mm -hmm. a indie rock label, and they're out of Bloomington. And... So I do Bloomington a lot. And um, Bloomington's... Actually, all those cities are amazing. Yeah. And um, when I went on stage, I was thinking, my fan base has grown and changed. And I wonder when I walk out on stage if, if people are going to feel like, you know, we better hear some heavy or cancer type stuff, yeah. you know, some confessional like, biography. Yeah. yeah. And if something comes up authentically, then I'll do it. But if I just, I thought, well, I hope that my show is good enough that even if it's a housewife from middle America that is here, I hope she enjoys the silliness. I think that's where, you know, having done comedy for over a decade, I would imagine, that's where that that kicks in you know where it's like you maybe you might doubt yourself and go i don't know if i can you know but then there's just something about that machine that you've tightened up all those years where it just kicks in and mm -hmm. you're still you're a comic like yeah. that's you're just a comic yeah i mean and and it's 
it's actually been so fun because I feel, and I don't know if it's in my mind or if it's really there, but the feeling of winning over people that maybe only know me from my CD about cancer, right? you know, where I'm like, Oh, that was just a really fun show. And even if they came for one thing, I feel like they left, um, thinking I'm amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want that to define you. The, the cancer thing. Right. Um, and, and I thought you meant being amazing. (laughs) That'd be a great thing to be defined by. Oh, I knew he didn't mean amazing. (laughs) Um, uh, no, it, it, uh, I'm, I'm well aware that it's, it's very much tied to me, but I also, I don't care at all that it has been tied to me because I, I, I feel like I have opportunities and, um, and I think I can move beyond. And even if I'm still always tied to it, I'm totally fine with, I'm not going to do my big cancer tour or, you right. know what I mean? But, um, I, I don't mind. It's been such a positive thing in my life that I feel lucky that, that I'm tied to that positive aspect of it. Yeah. How important do you think it is to how important do you think comedy is for 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 something like this? Like you said when people are like, "I'll get the water, I'll get the water." That you know that we that we treat things And I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> God oh, bless you. Hey. So... What happened to your voice all of a sudden? <laughs> cancer. Oh, cancer. I don't know how it works though. I guess oh, it checks this, out. This heavy remote. Could you uh, watching my sitcoms? <laughs> uh, now when I got here, you were doing a bunch of yoga, so that's weird that now you're asking it's me to do all spread. your errands. <laughs> Oh, you're going to tell me how cancer oh, works. come on. You're going to tell, all right. Because when I have cancer, I know how cancer works. Yeah. <laughs> but when you did the show, um, did you feel, during the set, did you feel relief afterwards? Did you feel mm-hmm. hope? Did it give you anything? Or was it the second you were off stage, like, okay, now i got to go deal with all this shitty stuff again? No, I felt elated. Because when, when I was on stage, I thought... I feel like this might be a really special moment in time. I didn't think, because Louis had called me the day after and said, hey, I think that show should be released for people to hear. And I I just laughed. I was like, there's no way I'm releasing that show. It was, it felt like I had been doing an open mic, you know? And so he was like uh, insisting and and saying, let me put it on my website, we'll release it. And uh, and I said, there's no way I'm releasing that. And and he said, well, the opportunity will always be here if you change your mind. And so after like a month and a half, I, um, I after talking to a bunch of friends, everybody was like, why would you not release that? And the thought of, well, this could help people. So I released it, and I'm so glad I did. But I... Um, the show, I was so relieved it went well. And again, there are certainly awkward, uncomfortable moments in the CD. But um, in general, it went <laughs> a million times better than I ever imagined. I'm actually sort of, imp- I'm sort of impressed from the standpoint that, you know, when you think of, I think most people go, well, that's probably the worst thing that can happen to you. And then you pile on the other things that happened to you. Mm-hmm. The fact that you were able to somehow stay inside your body mm-hmm. 
and not Barely. just drift away or not walk out on stage and go, I have cancer, and then pile of tears. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the fact that somehow. <laughs> pile of tears. Yeah, that yeah, basically that you would just collapse into a heap on, you know, like where you think, like, oh, I can do this. And then when you're talking about it out loud, the emotion of it just like. Oh no! This is actually way harder. Well, that it, it, it there were a couple of times where I thought I was going to start crying during the show, and I remember thinking, um, "Do not start crying <laughs> during this moment that you're talking about your mother dying or cancer." Or it, it I just didn't want to feel pathetic, you know, and I wanted to appear strong. You know, it was kind of a you know, fake it till you make it kind of feeling yeah. of I I don't know how I'm gonna get through all of this, but I uh I cannot cry right now. I just I didn't want people to be like, oh <laughs> you know, I mean they did feel that way at, at moments and I saw people crying in the audience and shaking their head and in shock and other people were laughing hysterically. It was such an a crazy mix of what I was seeing in the audience, you know? And, and so a lot of times I'm, I'm performing, but I'm also trying to console people cause I, I see people crying and it was a very surreal experience. And I was thinking whether I live or die, I will never have a show like this again. <laughs> well, you're basically, Unless, you're laying out a smorgasbord of tragedy yeah. that, uh, that so many different people have so many different connection points to, uh-huh. oh, I, you know, I've, I just lost someone to cancer or I mm-hmm. lost a parent or I just went through a breakup or I just like, there's so many points at which mm-hmm. someone can be like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, like it really is uh, that, that is, it could have just been about one thing. Mm-hmm. You know? But I had to bring it all in there. <laughs> <laughs> my follow-up CD, <laughs> my mother tripped and died. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, yeah, I, I, again, had to, I felt like I had to, I felt so compelled to talk about it all. And, um, but, but it, um, I am glad that I, that I, I, there was such a sense of relief when I got off stage and, and all the other comedians were, Everybody was stunned. Yeah. It was the funniest thing to sit like Louis, Mary Lynn, Ed, Bill Burr followed me, and he said, oh, oh, no. yeah. he, <laughs> "There's one guy. That can anyone do could do it. Yeah, one guy guy. He annihilated, and he keeps telling me he's going to send me the audio of." From his what do phone. I have to come out here and follow the chick that yeah. got cancer? <laughs> like, yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, yeah, he uh, uh, he had his phone recording when he was walking out. And um, and I had gotten a standing ovation and that whole thing, of course. Sure. Where they're not going to sit down and just be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, good job. Yeah. Okay, I guess went we have to long. stand she up. Went a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess on his phone, it, there's him saying, yeah, what, I, I'm supposed to follow this? And, <laughs> and so there's the, our exchange while we're shaking hands and I introduced him. And, and, um, and so he was on stage and then I, was, I walked backstage to Ed and Mary Lynn and and Louie literally just jaws agape, just stunned because they found out a lot of information about me. And it, I think as comedians, they were just putting themselves in that position. Well, not only that, but also I think, you know, just having, like I said, you know, when I said earlier, like, I don't, we don't really know, know each other as well mm-hmm. other than like, oh, you're someone that I would hang out with more, mm-hmm. you know. 
But I, but I think I always felt like you're guarded in mm-hmm. a way, and so I don't really know that much about you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if maybe there's that might be a similar situation for a lot of comedians who have that relationship Oop, with you. guard went down. And then the guard is just like, not only is the guard down, it fucking, it just got blown off, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's really like, so not only are they empathizing and then not only is there that selfish thing you do where you're like, I can't even imagine if I had to go through that, but then also, oh, this is Tig. We're seeing like, it's, this is as, you know, emotionally naked as this person can be. Like I went from not knowing to like, I know every inch of you. (laughs) And so that they must've, you know, no, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about, I mean, I, I have thought about that in certain ways because with the press asking questions, they feel like, I've been private, hard to get to know, but friends of mine or peers, I hadn't thought about that level that, yeah, I see these people all the time, but I don't really know. I know certain things. I know, you know, Jonah got married. (laughs) (laughs) I was even surprised you knew that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just, uh, and it, it has changed me. Uh, to a certain degree with with that for sure well it is i mean you know to be a comic backstage or to be anyone in the audience um you know oh i can't get a signal on my phone oh yeah. you know i can't mm-hmm. on this oh i got this dumb thing i gotta turn in tomorrow i got a dumb audition oh that's right there's an end point to everything <laughs> and it could come at any moment like that uh-huh. All of a sudden, just the 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 proximity to mortality and you know, playing upon all those things that we bury most of the time. Yeah, is uh, but you know, but being able to wrap that in comedy is fucking. It's it's not easy to do. Like you, like some people talk about uh, tragic things, and it's just like mm, this is just therapy for you, and this is kind of a bummer. And that's uh-huh. why it's been hard for me to really, really talk about super personal things on stage is because when I start to, and I'm doing it a little more now, but when I start to, it just kind of bums people out. Like, I haven't honed the ability to spin it into comedy the way you or or Mark or, you know, or Bill or Louie has. Well, I mean, I, I don't, there's bits and pieces of it in the comedy that I'm writing right now, but it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's hard to get in there. It's hard to how do I approach this? And again, the idea of the shock value of just get to the point. I have cancer. How's everybody doing tonight? Everyone having a good time? Oh, because I was just diagnosed with cancer. (laughs) I mean, I just was like, I have to go into it like that. I was maniacally laughing on the way to Largo, thinking about how insane that is going to be. And I, it was going to go either way, and it it cracked it open like crazy. Are you less? Um, th- have you been able to go back and you know? I, I always use the onion as the as the perfect example of you know after nine eleven, their first thing was you know America. What something like America They're yearns moving? to worry oh. about dumb stuff again. Oh. Like people just want to worry. They uh-huh. want to go back to worrying about dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, did it sort of change that at all, or do you still, or do you, are you sort of comfortably like, oh yeah, I can't, oh my fucking phone didn't get, served. like, do you still worry about them? I mean, I don't feel like I was ever fully like that, and I, I always tell people that, people that know me well wouldn't say, uh, Tig, Tig needed this wake up call, you know? <laughs> um, obviously, 
everyone can be more enlightened and more in touch with things than they are. Everybody. But I... There's this... um, I was talking to Louis, actually, a couple of weeks ago, and I was was talking about September 11th and how when the planes were going into the buildings, the terrorists told the people on the flights to call their loved ones to say goodbye and just that extra level of horror just and terror to you know you're gonna die so say goodbye and and just as the plane gets closer to the building and you're making those calls you're not thinking I'm not gonna call my sister she stained that shirt of mine (laughs) and you know my neighbor always not that you're gonna call your neighbor (laughs) bye Um, but those moments right before it's it's just kind of a place where it's a visual where I tried to imagine myself suspended in my life of a, the plane and, and Louis was laughing at me going I can't believe you're using September 11th when you have your own tragedy to pull from, mm-hmm. you know but it, it it's the visual of the plane almost hitting the building and what phone call are you going to make and what are you going to say? And it's only going to be, I love you. You know, that's, that's all it's going to be. Or are you going to make the call because you, you know, your last memory is going to be, I'm personally telling someone the worst thing that they could possibly. Well, yeah. Like, do you, do you just sort of freeze with like, I think I just, you know, I don't think I, in that situation, I don't think I could call my mom and be like, hey, goodbye. Like, I don't, I think I would just have to be like, I can't be the one, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's one. a good point. But um, but the the visual itself is what I think about when I think about importance and do things now and do things mindfully and 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 um, all that, all that kind of well if you were if you were that way before i mean if you had if you were you know mostly that way before then it might have been the thing that got you through it quite possibly i mean i I really i mean without going fucking completely crazy yeah i certainly had moments like that i had such crazy breakdowns during this time where it was um i was unrecognizable to myself and uh and i always talk about with this the idea of surrendering and and it's such a forced in those situations you know i get the phone call take your mother slipped and and uh she hit her head and she's not going to make it can i talk to her no she's never again and you have to surrender you it you what is your other choice you know, it's it's so tremendously painful and it's hard to process. And you have cancer. It, the, it brought such crazy breakdowns for me. And um, and even going down to I had a double mastectomy. And, and even though I was <laughs> relatively flat chested before, it's still my body is different, you yeah. know, and I just I have scars now. And and I thought that it was going to. I did not want that, but now it's you surrender and and living in reality is I think what brings happiness so much 
is not listening to false stories in your head or or putting yourself any place that's not real when you're when you're like this is reality it is so much more helpful but getting through those times it's so hard to get to reality immediately well especially cuz most of the most of the time i feel like we live these existences where we are terrified of pain mm-hmm. we're terrified of dread you know like i i actually have the same thought about the last second before mm-hmm. a plane the plane goes into the building and what is you know is do do you surrender or do you just are you freaking out you know can you not control and it's I think most of the people, it's like how most people are afraid of dying in a plane crash rather than dropping dead of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. When heart attacks kill more people, there's nothing dreadful about like, oh, lights off. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's the process of knowing and dealing with it and having to relay it to other people or figure out how to, it's, it's, the, it's the fear of dread. It's the fear of experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you I'm mean, not like you had a choice, but it sounds like you actually kind of willingly just let it happen, which is a pretty radical <laughs> but logical tactic. Well, yeah, it, it it it's a combination of of both both things. Of I had to let it happen, but there's also a mindset of of this is happening. It, it, it when you push it away and deny it. Which again, I I went through a lot of that. I spent there were three weeks. I was, I, I, I was inconsolable after my mother died, and I could not talk without hyperventilating. I was I was a wreck, and um, annoy. I I honestly got to a point where I was like, Am I ever going to be able to talk without crying? Like I re- I couldn't picture it. I just thought, well, I guess this is the this new is how me. It's gonna be. Is like when somebody says, "How's it going?" I'm like, okay, um, you know, it was just a lot of that, and I was like, "This is this is the new me." How, what do you think? Um, and I don't even know I have cancer right now. Um, but Christ! <laughs> oh my God! But but that is the um, that's that point you have to get through of just that. You can't. You'd you'd be this crazy robot if you didn't have that hyperventilating three weeks. That and then you go, okay, my mother is is gone. You know. And obviously, on the, I I would imagine, still very important. But sort of when you sort of parse it all out, like probably the bottom of the priority list is like, and you went through a breakup, but still fairly substantial thing to go through and is it that kind of thing where you're like really now really now is this really the um i mean it it was something where it was so ultimately good and okay it was certainly stressful but i was i had not i'd only been with her nine months and so it wasn't like this, you know, the person right before her I had been with for five years. Okay. And so that would have been like, if that happened in the middle of it, mm. I just would have been like, um, just lie to me right now. Right. <laughs> like, just, I'm going to lie to you and you lie to me. Let's let's do that. How about let's do that and yeah. we'll get through it. But I had only been with this person six months uh, when I got pneumonia, 
and everything went downhill from there. And it was, it's one of those things where you go, we are not in this for the long haul, you know, <laughs> like it, it's things start really creeping up and rearing its head and, 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 and you're getting through it. And, and we had reached this point. I had pushed her away so much. And when I had C. diff, which was actually even harder to go through than cancer because nobody knows what it is. And so I couldn't call people and be like, oh, my God, I have C. diff, <laughs> you know, because people are like, oh, uh, well, so are you doing the show? No, uh, you, you know, don't understand. No, no, no. I'm losing half a pound a day. I'm dying. You know, people die of kidney failure. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. And so um, when that was happening, I was pushing her away because we hadn't been together very long and I felt so vulnerable and so unattractive. I was just like, I was so disgusting and I was just becoming this skeleton and I was just like, just leave, please, please leave. Just please get away from me. You don't want to bear the responsibility of bumming someone else out. I did not want to. Isn't it crazy that we do that, that we just, you, you get to those moments where you're like, yeah, I probably do need someone right now, but I don't want to be responsible for making your life as shitty as I feel oh like mine God. is now. I needed somebody so desperately, but I was, and I'm not somebody that yells very easily, but I was, I was like, get out of, like, please leave my life. I, you know, she was like, you want me to leave. And I was like, yes, please leave, please, please leave. And so there was just this huge wedge that was between us and it was uh it was a hard hard dark time and she was very kind and generous and and giving and but we were falling apart and and i had suggested time apart and then she didn't want time apart and then we saw each other and the distance was still there and then it it, it was just clear that i i had reached a point where i said you know my life is so in purgatory right now, and this is an area where I can't be floating in a gray area. I can't be like, oh, so I wonder what's going to go on. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, she didn't text me back. Mm, yeah. It's like the last thing you want to worry about. I was like, You're I have to be. You're streamlining. You're basically streamlining. I have to be done with this. And so it ended, and it was, it was, you know, it just, it's fine. I mean, we're not in contact. Um uh, but I, I care about her and, and I, you know, there's not really anybody where I'm like, well, I don't care about them. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a weird, it's, it, it is a weird thing about our, it is a weird thing about our, the emotional side of our brain where you feel like no matter how much the other side of your brain wants to, like, I really should feel this way or I really should do this. That the that sometimes you just can't reconcile the gap between your logical brain and your emotional brain, and your emotions you cannot get them to go where you need them to go, or you want you can't get them to go where you want them to go, mm-hmm. and that effectively is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That you can be in a relationship, you know, like you know, I've been in relationships in the past where I'm like, I really need to be more present, and I want to be more present in this relationship, mm-hmm. and I cannot make that happen for some reason, mm-hmm. and what the fuck? Why mm-hmm. can't I control what I'm feeling? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's... Uh, it's... <laughs> I mean, I... I... It's, when I look back on that time, all I can think is, is, thank you, you were amazing, 
and um, I, I hope I hope we talk again. Mm, you right. know, um, but it, it was such a it, it was such a weird ending. Have you been able to date since, or were you? Did you mm-hmm. need to? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. no, you know, yeah. sometimes you might need a little distance from the from everything. Yeah, yeah. When did you start feeling like everything's okay? Like when did you? When were you able to wait? Because obviously, going into the surgery, you say you said it, they didn't know mm-hmm. you weren't going to know till after the surgery. How long after going through all that, you know, did you wake up and, you know, you kind of wake up and you sort of do a quick survey of your emotions. And a lot of times you're like, nope, still shitty. Up, oh, still, there's a still thing there. And then how long was it before you were like, oh, you know, actually, well, not that bad today. Yeah. Well, I had different levels of it because, you know, the, the odd thing when you ask, have I dated, was this is just crazy town but um i had run into somebody right after we split that i started seeing and it was somebody that i always found attractive and i was like well this is crazy that now we're involved um you know and so it was such a that made me feel good immediately that happened actually before i was diagnosed and then I was diagnosed, and then I went through surgery. So she went through that period of time with me. And it was, I couldn't believe this person that I'd always found attractive, I was, I was going through this with. Because once I got the diagnosis, I thought, oh, my God, awesome. I have to tell her I have cancer. <laughs> this is going to be hot. You'll never guess who it was. You'll never guess. Taylor Dane. What? <laughs> Bringing it all around. <laughs> it actually was. And um, <laughs> no, but um, so it was a helpful time period. Uh, we weren't, it wasn't a committed relationship. Sure. It was, it was, it was just a, it was a, it was the perfect thing to happen during that time. The perfect person, time. And, um, and so that made me feel good and and made me feel good about myself and my my body and and now I feel almost cocky about myself and my <laughs> body uh not really about myself but I I feel good about my body. I didn't get reconstructive surgery. I just have scars. I don't have nipples. I just have scars across my chest and I was really uncomfortable at first, but now I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that is what my body is, and so you're like, I can run long distances. Nothing's chafing. <laughs> what are these nipples? All my about? dad doesn't yeah. have nipples anymore. What? Yeah, I got a flesh eating disease, and they had to like just scrape off. Oh, now this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a weird, crazy form of a uh, strep that just was like mm-hmm. eating away. Did he get it from the uh, water in Hawaii? Uh, he got yeah, it from Taylor Dane. So. Yes, you'll never guess. Taylor. You'll never guess. Well, yeah, she was in the water, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he was he was near her. She was just on Cupcake Wars last week. I've heard. Days. Yeah, everybody, everybody saw me. That's supposed to be like like Gaffigan's hot pockets. Like yeah. I know <laughs> you love my voice. I know. Or, uh, Taylor Dane was there. <laughs> um, Taylor Dane is your hot pockets. Well, I mean, just to be clear, Tig, I always talk about Cupcake Wars here. So. I understand. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, but yeah, so there's been different levels of feeling good. Like um, my, I didn't expect that to happen as far as dating for that to be immediate and because i felt like such damaged goods and then my physical health i started feeling good 
um, you know, a few months, two or three months after my surgery, because I felt really vulnerable for a long time, uh, being in a car or out in public, I, 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 I thought I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I thought people were going to punch my chest, you know, cause I, I sent, I had these like incisions and it, it sure. was so scary to walk around and be in a car. I was like, Oh my God, if we wreck, I'm, my chest is going to oh, blow. Yeah. I, yeah. I was, it was, I, I was, and hugging people. It, so it took a few months to physically feel okay. And, and my situation with C. diff turned around and I started being able to ingest food again. And hey. yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, a, I had moved to New York. Amy Schumer had hired me to work on her show in New York before I was diagnosed. And she and the network were all so kind. And, you know, I, I was essentially being paid to have cancer because uh, my trip out to New York got delayed. Sure. And, um, and I was trying to work and pitch ideas and jokes through Skype and whatever. But I was, you know, I, it was really a hard time. Sure. <laughs> and then I got out there with stitches in my chest. I wanted to be back into my life immediately. And Sarah Silverman flew with me. We flew together to New York and um, so she could carry my suitcases and whatever. I couldn't lift anything. I, I, I was, I couldn't do anything. Just any strain or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I was in an office and I was at, at, now I'm looking back and realizing I was just going through the motions of trying to be alive again. You know what I mean? I didn't feel right yet. I, I, I'm certain I appeared it to some degree to people. And cause Amy would always say, she's like, I always forget that like you had cancer <laughs> and we would be, and I'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm aware. You know, <laughs> I, I, there was so much going on in my head that it was, and I, I, I'm, I'm just so thankful for that time because I was really trying to acclimate. And, um, but once I got back to LA, after I moved back from New York, I remember I, I woke up and I think it was January 1st and walked out of my apartment. I felt like Mary Tyler Moore, you know, like the yeah. opening sequence. Like I, I just, I was like, oh my gosh, it felt so symbolic that it was January 1st, 2013. I just moved back the day before, woke up in my own place. My scars, you know, my incisions had healed and I just was like, all right, I, I think I'm back, you know? And, and so that was like, there were so many different layers, I guess is my point from uh, reconciling with my, my body and my emotional state of mind. And, and there, it was just, it was, it was a, it was a journey. When you look at 2012, do you think of it as like a lost year? No, uh-uh. it was mm-mm, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. What do you think of it as? Like when you when you sort of when you're categorizing it. Like- it was so. Aside from losing my mother, you know, because that it, it it it. You know, I there there were times where you where I I've thought I think I know what it would be like to lose my mother. I think I can get in touch with that. <laughs> it was it was something I couldn't even imagine. It was a pain I couldn't. I'd never experienced that pain. And so, aside from that, 
everything from, I mean, I really felt like I was facing death with C. diff and my breakup and realizing what I want and what I'm looking for and what I can do and to my stand-up set to everything that opened negative or positive was so mind-blowing to me it was I was pushed to such an the edge of things so quickly that there's no way that year is wasted <laughs> like the 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 view that I got was so incredible and I'm so thankful for because everything birthed such grand amazingness. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're able to have that view that I think a lot of people may not necessarily have, but you also don't, you know, I, I, I didn't, I don't want to be the guy who's like, but in the end, aren't you thankful? You know, because I because I, I, someti- I imagine sometimes you could say that to someone and they'd be like, "No, fuck you! Why would I? Why anyone ever want to go through any of that?" No, stuff? I am. I'm beyond thankful. I feel lucky. I, I I'm writing a book and and exploring. It's about that four month period of time, and you know, I spin off and explain my mother and explain our relationship was which was very complicated and um and. And it's so different from writing stand-up, you know, writing a book, just really, really getting in touch with my surroundings and feelings, and and um, and it's uh, uh, I kind of don't know what I was saying, but other than but to relive it by writing it is mm-hmm. is also a pretty that seems pretty consistent with the sense of I feel like you know, I mean, it is really amazing that you've been not a or if you were afraid, you push through it anyway, but not afraid to face the pain head on. Like you did it with the stand up, you know, you went through it, you immediately dealt with it. You know, it has not quite been a year, but you're already writing the book and still in the book, you're going to be, you're, you're, you're dredging up things I that you probably a, forgot about or didn't, hadn't realized yet. Yes. And I've, I've been a crybaby doing that too, like writing the book. And, and I, I relive a moment of when my stepfather called me, you know, and really not just what I felt, but what he must've been feeling to make that phone call and, um, and calling my brother just there, there's so many things that um yeah it it digs up and but i feel lucky we're all lucky as entertainers writers performers that cuz i i'm constantly thinking how do people get it out how we're so lucky that we can someone doesn't most people don't have a stand up show that they can go yeah with. or 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 a book i mean you could go write a book sure um but people don't always do that and so i feel I'm so lucky and I always say I feel like I was the perfect person to go through this because I had money in the bank and work coming up and health insurance and friends and family and and I get so many emails from people that are dying that are weeks away from their death and people that have lost people or that are just having a rotten day and they're just like 
you have helped me so much and I feel like I can do this. I feel like I can face this. I feel like I can die. I feel not because of me, but just having uh, strength. And, and, and I feel that's why it goes back to, I feel so lucky. 2012 was not a waste. If I'm forever tied to this story, I feel lucky to be because it's, it's an experience. I couldn't have imagined this. And it's not just about, oh, yeah, I'm busier with my career and I've had more success and that's great. But there's really something that it has done to me and it's been such a gift. And uh, yeah, it's it sounds cheesy and, and cliche, but it, it's so true. I, I don't know how people wouldn't experience that feeling or, you know, especially being... And when I was saying I talked to Louis a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I talked to him about was the word bravery. And I, I don't know, you were talking about how meeting it head on. And and I said, it's it's uncomfortable to, when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're immediately called brave. And I, I was telling him, I kind of felt a little weird, you know, <laughs> getting that word tied to me. And I didn't feel brave. You know, if somebody came over to my house, you would see somebody in fetal position on the couch or in bed crying for their mother. I didn't feel brave. And Louis was saying that bravery is the capacity... It's not saying you don't feel scared. No, it's pushing through it anyway. Yeah, and and because I was picturing like, what if the military needed me and they were just right. like, we, we need some brave. <laughs> good question. Right. You know, like good you question. Think, yeah. You think of like brave heart, yeah, where it's yeah. like, oh, I have to storm everyone with <laughs> right. spears. Like, Tig, we need you on the front line. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was like, what if they come get me and they put like a rifle in my hand or something? And they're like, we're looking for a brave person. There she is, and yeah. I'm like. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I have I cancer. Do it. I, I need think, my mother. But I think, I think if someone doesn't feel fear, <laughs> mm-hmm. then they're a sociopath. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think, I absolutely agree with Louis. I think the bravery thing is like this is terrifying. Somehow I'm going to find the strength to to do it anyway. Doing that show was fucking insanely brave because you don't know how you're going to what it's going to you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're going to be able to handle it you don't know if the audience is going to be able to I don't handle know if it. i'm living you don't know if you're living or dying you and and somehow you just did it you just did it anyway and you pushed through it i think that's you know i don't think it's necessarily in the presentation of like oh i cried or oh i had a freak out or whatever i think that's just human like mm-hmm. you know but to 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 somehow find the wherewithal to focus and push through anyway that's that is that's an insane amount of bravery uh well it, it's it's it is i'm it is nice to have that perspective on bravery because i did feel embarrassed and like i wanted to always speak and be like I, i'm i have to tell you something i'm actually not brave i think you're thinking of i think you're thinking that yeah. idea that most people have of like cinematic bravery sure of like sure come on just follow me we'll yeah. get you know the guy yeah. who's been shot nine yeah. times and he's like is that all you got you know <laughs> which it kind of was uh but no i i i needed that shift in perspective you know because it was it was uncomfortable the amount that people use the word bravery. And and so this uh it has any of this just sort of shifting gears a little bit, has any of this 
followed into because you're doing a you're essentially you've done this tour you've kind of done a you want to do a tour i want to do a tour didn't you you're, you're touring you want to like tour people's houses oh, and, oh right 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 yeah yeah uh showtime's filming um me touring my fans homes i'm gonna be doing shows in living rooms rooftops <laughs> barns basements one chicken ranch, you know. <laughs> your own place. Yes. <laughs> They're going to let you shoot at your own, own home. advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go work out some new material uh, on the road. And, um, and then I'm probably going to eventually do a more proper tour. But right now I'm focusing on my book and, and then my CD that we've talked about, Live. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's going to be in hard copy, which I'm excited oh, awesome. about and a picture disc. They, they're making 500, uh, uh, vinyl. vinyl. Awesome. I can't that's wait great. to get Tig Notaro live. No, no, it's live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I named you, it that. Are you sure you, you want people to, to well, I, I just live and live. Well, cause so many comedy and music albums are called live as yeah. you know. And, uh, so I, I just thought it'd be funny if, if I called it live and had to always correct people. <laughs> <laughs> so take Nataro live. No, no, it's no, live. No, it's actually live. Are you sure? Because <laughs> it was a live show. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it, I always thought it was a funny idea. And then when this happened, it was just perfect to call this album live. Yeah. And, um, and so that's my album. Did you, uh, did you immediately kind of start you know, once you started feeling better, where you're like, here's 10 things I always wanted to do that now I'm going to go do quickly. Like, did do you, you mean bucket list? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was a, did you have a retroactive bucket list? Or at the time, did you sort of feel like, I guess I did everything. I don't know. Well, you know, it, it's funny because when, um, <laughs> when I, it's funny because uh, when it's not really funny, but it's funny uh, when I was home. When my mother died I, and I was in the middle of having C. diff and withering away, I was, <laughs> was crying under my bed. And, um, and I was just thinking, how is it that I'm about to die right after my mother? And I was kind of replaying my life and thinking how I've had such a crazy, amazing life. It, and I wasn't thinking this like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to die. But I thought, I'm about to die. So I was trying to come to grips with that. And I was thinking how I have traveled the world. I have my career. I mean, all I ever wanted to do was an open mic. I mean, I had no real, I didn't move to L.A. to, to do, I followed friends because they moved here and I had no real direction, you know, <laughs> and I did an open mic. And so I, I just, it was so beyond, I've been in love. I've, I have amazing friends. I was really going through that. And so I've, I felt like if I do die, I'm not somebody that's in a third world country that, that my entire existence was hell. And then somebody murdered me. And you know what I mean? Like right. I, I, I didn't, I, I've had an unbelievable life. And so I've always had this kind of joke, real thing that I've done called how about now, how about right now? 
And uh, my friends, Beth and Leslie, that I moved to L.A. with, that Beth had direction and Leslie and I just got in the car. And, <laughs> and then uh, we went out here. But I always did this thing, how about now, how about right now? And it's just like you're driving down the road. You pass a bowling alley at 10 in the morning. It's like... How about now? How about right now? <laughs> you know, and like five minutes later, you have bowling shoes on and you're bowling at 10 in the morning and it just like jolts you alive. You know, you're like, oh, my God, we're bowling. <laughs> this is so stupid. Nobody's here, you know. And so how about now? How about right now has always been in my life. But more than ever, it's how about now? How about right now? Is that the name of the book? No, um, but it's going to be the name of something. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And um and uh, there's a, a song that I've been working on with this um, this uh, slam poet that I know in Boulder. She's brilliant. Her name's uh, Andrea Gibson. And I called her with this idea that I wanted to collaborate and had all these visuals and ideas of just really living your life and how about now how about right now and so uh what she the recording she sent to me last week my head exploded it, i'm i'm so excited about it i'm so excited about this when's the song gonna be done i'm not quite sure it, it's how about now how about right how about now, now? <laughs> that's a good one chris yeah, thank you um yeah hopefully soon hopefully real soon uh, that's the follow-up. Are, are you gonna? Are, <laughs> no, that's Matt's follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> the Myra method. Yeah, hopefully, I'll get it. Hopefully right. soon, maybe soon. Is your book gonna be called uh, "Read" by Tig Notaro? But then you, everyone's gonna say "Red." You go, it's "Read." <laughs> good one. Yeah. That's good. It's like the recurring. <laughs> yeah. It's a recurring. I think the trick is she doesn't want to stick to the same thing over and over again. It's just like that was the one. I haven't even thought about anything, to be honest. <laughs> Except that chicken <laughs> uh, waiting for you in that house. Now I feel like I have to get you a chicken as a joke. I feel like I have to send you a chicken, but then that's going to... Get me a chicken sincerely, Chris. <laughs> Ooh, a chicken sincerely Don't... sounds really good right now. Yeah. Um, when I nice sincere on when the I... skin. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. When I go out to eat and I have ordered chicken in the past, I like to order it as chickens. Because it sounds so personal, you know. I'll have I'll have chickens. <laughs> do you serve chickens? Well, we serve chicken. Yeah, but if it comes, if there's a few pieces, do I know that those are from the same yeah. one? Yeah, chickens. Oh. I would like to eat chickens tonight. Okay, we have chicken. Only one. Yeah. You're a restaurant. You should get more. <laughs> hey, I've got the one chicken place. You're a restaurant. I expect more from you. Yeah, one chicken. The one ranch. chicken ranch. But so, yeah, I, I don't have like a, an exact list just to wrap Try that up. Try that salad dressing on the Sincerely Chicken. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. You wouldn't go into a place and go, do you have a hamburger? You go, do you have hamburgers? Do you guys yeah. serve hamburgers? Yeah. Do you have fries? Yeah, chickens. Do you have chickens? Yeah, I'd like to eat some chickens tonight. <laughs> it endlessly tickles me. <laughs> like years, decades into me at restaurants asking for chickens to eat chickens tonight that's going to be the moment when you're right at that yeah. building yeah the plane's going a, to the building you're going to look at the menu and, the, and it says chicken you're gonna be like, I'm ordering a meal on the flight <laughs> that's going into the building why aren't they coming yes, I'll, I'll have the chickens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why is no one ding, ding, paying ding, attention ding. to me was, uh, when you were just sort of in wrapping up I, I'm curious to know when you were traveling with Sarah and you were spending time with Sarah and you were going through this <laughs> was she I ass- what I assume Sarah would be was like compassionate, but also cracking a lot of jokes to try to make mm. you feel better. Mm-hmm. 
Did you have a favorite cancer joke of Sarah's? Well, the best one that she did, <laughs> she, uh, not in traveling. In traveling, I showed up, because for a while I had to just wear button downs because I couldn't pull T-shirts on or sure. off. And um, so I was always wearing button downs. But when I met her, and this isn't a joke or anything, but she just, when I when I showed up at the airport and I just had on a white T-shirt, she was like, she, she's like, oh my god, you look so extra Fonzie cute, <laughs> you know, just like and um, or tiny Fonzie cute, um, in your in your yeah. T-shirt and um, and then, but at the hospital, she met me there at six in the morning for my surgery, and she was there before I got there, and and when I walked into the lobby. <laughs> when I walked into the lobby, I was with my aunt too. My aunt had driven up from Oceanside and and um and so my aunt had hadn't met Sarah yet and we walked into the hospital and Sarah was in the lobby and she's like, "Oh my god, did you already have the surgery done?" <laughs> <laughs> It killed me. It was just uh, like, uh, she kills me. Yeah, She's, uh, you are, and you are also that, like with everything else that you said. You're also you're also very fortunate that you have like the funniest friends that anyone yeah, could it's, possibly yeah. have. It's like the funniest people in the world <laughs> are your friends. Are my happen to be my friends. They're your support group. Yeah, yeah. And and my ho- my hotel my hospital room was a suite and. I woke up just so drugged and my my room was just overflowing. I'm sure the people at the hospital were just like, who is this? <laughs> you know, what is going on? They in actually there? started an open mic in your room. They did. <laughs> did they, they did. Did they really? Yes. And they were doing, I was like, I was, <laughs> I, I, comedians, yes, they were doing their sets in my room. Oh I was lying God. in my hospital bed requesting bits and for the next person to go up. I was like out of my mind drug. Beep. All right, I'll just wrap it up with this one last. <laughs> no, I'm flatlining. Yeah, you're flatlining. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're flatlining. <laughs> okay, oh, I'll just wrap it up. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. My aunt was just sitting there going, you know, here I've been worried about you without your mother and, and all of this that you're going through. And she just loved my friends and how just she just felt so good and and relieved and that she could leave town and not just leave me but just you know that I was clearly in good hands you know my friends were fighting to spend the night with me and go home and take care of me i was it was it was overload of of care how come we didn't get any time in the that's a comic thing how come yeah. i didn't get to perform who booked the, that uh, hospital room <laughs> who booked that <laughs> God, I don't know. Was it? Was it? It was like a draw from a the chicken. You, the chicken. Did they draw books from it. a fucking chicken. Yeah, <laughs> the chicken books the, the hospital suite. Yeah. Well, thank you for thanks for coming on. I'm and, not and leaving. I have more to say. You can talk more. No, uh, no. Um, thanks for having no, me. No, 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 no. And and you know, I, I'm sure you've talked about all of this first before. time. <laughs> first time. <laughs> but um, but uh, I really um, you know, I, I I'm I, I was always nervous because I didn't. When I texted you, I yeah. sort of felt like I wanted to, and I think I may have even said this in an email, I kind of wanted to be on top of you, to be like, okay, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, 
everyone's probably doing that, mm-hmm. and I don't know you well enough, and I don't know if that's okay. And I didn't. I was worried that I was going to be one more person. I'm like, please, just fucking leave me alone. Stop I'm just, caring just, about me. Just know that Chris is a really caring person. <laughs> <laughs> if you took anything from no, no, no. But seriously, here's the thing: is that was another amazing thing about what I went through, and that is that. First of all, I appreciate that. And I was not, as you can imagine, ever being like, where's Chris Hardwick? No, I know that. I know no, that. No, of course. Of course you know that. But even if there are people that I didn't hear from, which I pretty much heard from everybody, and people that I was, I had like three people in my life that I was not on great terms with, and I heard from them. And I've been so lucky to have this crazy clean slate in life where, except my, my most recent ex, but, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but even I, we don't, I know she doesn't hate me or anything, right. but, um, the amazing thing that I learned is that you can't gauge, you know, people have their strengths and weaknesses and this isn't directly talking to you but it's sure. kind of a spin off of that is i had friends that could do things in certain ways but they could not help me in other ways and if you took it if if you wanted to really take it personally you could be like and um this person didn't call to do this right, and right, it doesn't right. it, it that's their weakness and it doesn't make them a bad person, and it doesn't wash away right. your entire friendship. Right. That's a weakness that they have. And I still love my friends that fell short or could have been seen as falling short in sure. ways because they really have not fallen short in our friendship in other ways right. at other times. And they're facing their own issues with what I'm going through. Right. And and it's that's really what I learned. I, I knew that before all of this hell went on, but I really got it. Yeah, uh, some, some people are going to jump right in and other people are going to be too freaked out because it's just yes. the proximity of it's horrifying to them. For whatever reason in their life and for whatever reason in our friendship or their abilities, and you have to just go, I'm not going to write this person off. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think for I think for me, it's was sort of going like, well, we're pals, but we're not like really great friends. We don't mm-hmm. know each other. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just didn't I didn't want you to feel the responsibility of like, now you have to explain all this to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really around much before, yeah. but here I am, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so I just didn't really know what my what you know, what I, I could do I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And yeah, so I yeah. just, I wrote an email, which I actually kind of cried while I was writing it because I just, I don't know. It was a weird, it was a very weird, you know, it felt scary. And I was like, I don't know what I'm to do to help. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know this person very yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but I just wanted to know that I yeah care and I don't want anything to happen to her. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I appreciate that. I, I do. I mean, any, even when I just, ran into people and they're like hey how are you how's your health or i see strangers on the street i'm walking across the street and somebody's like 
hey, I, I know you have weird food issues, but there's a really great restaurant over, you know, and it's just like everything is so good yeah. that, and where I'm just like, you're awesome. Thank you. You know, or even if somebody I can tell they're uncomfortable talking to me about it, I, I'm, I'm fine with whatever. If people are uncomfortable or they are just like, I'm I'm fine. I feel so good and I I get it and I and on a very close personal level I I like I said friends could have seemed like they fell short uh, but they didn't. It's fine. You know, it's it's a it's a huge I feel so lucky. Well, it's uh it's great to see you and I I'm glad to hear you're doing stand up again and you know, let us know when you're doing the when you start doing the tour and you know I start in a few weeks. Oh, do you really? <laughs> yeah. There's a video that Showtime put up that people... Uh, when does this go out? Uh, we can put this up as whenever you want. Oh, how about now? How about right oh, now? Shit! Ah! Oh, shit! Um, live stream! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Showtime has a YouTube page. And also, I have a Facebook fan page that it's on. The the video that you can go to that sends you... Oh, well, it's tigroadtrip.com. Um and you fill out a form and send in pictures and videos, and then I decide if I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> so. And I'm going to be with John Doerr. Oh, fucking, yeah. great. Yeah. He's going to be my sidekick. Oh, he's going to be so perfect in that situation. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. So. All right. And also Tig Notaro on Twitter, at Tig Notaro on, on Not Twitter. on Twitter. You're not on Twitter? No, sir. You have to be. You're not? Not on Twitter, not on Instagram, not on uh, the little video Vine, Vine thing. Why did I think someone is post? There's not a Tig Notaro on Twitter? Uh, there's like fan things. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what but I saw. But I'm not on there. I, uh, I post on my fan page on Facebook here and there. Okay. Um, and but, her MySpace page. She still keeps that up. And Friendster. Yeah. And yeah. her I, live journal. Still. Mm-hmm. Oh, live journal. Um, I guess, well... So my Facebook fan page would be... Would be the place. Yeah. Normally we say people enjoy their burrito at the end of the podcast, but I think we have to end it by saying, uh, how about now? How about right now? Great. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was a disaster. Sorry about that. God damn it. I thought you were going to bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, we're still recording. What? That's okay. That's okay. I've learned my lesson in life, and it's that everything's fine. Help. It's too late. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.